Page Avenue Crew Podcast. Hello, everybody. What's up, world? What up, y'all? My name's Adam. I'm Dan. Josh here. Ryan here. Two in a row, we said all our names. Yeah. There's someone else here. Guess what? We have another person here today. I'm here. Go ahead and say who you are. Um, he- hello, my name is, is also Ryan, followed yeah, by Keith. Two Ryans. We have yeah. a Ryan Key from formerly of Yellow Card, now just fucking kicking ass on his own. Fucking Ryan. Formerly just, of. Just Ryan Key. How's it going, guys? Is that is that like your last name now? Just Ryan formerly of? Yep. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. one word. <laughs> let's call, uh, let's do like we did on your pod. Let's call him Bill Key. One, two? Bill. Oh, you, Sergeant, Sergeant, Bill. 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 William, William Ryan Key. Sorry, I didn't get fancy. Bill Key. Mm-hmm. Billy. Yeah. W- William, is my, uh, William was my grandfather's name, but no, no one and my, I have a cousin, Will. Um, William's your no, government no, name? None of them have ever gone by Bill, so we got might as well start somewhere. Because yeah. my first name is William, so. That's your I mean, government name. Government name. That's, all, that's my taxes right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. We've, uh, story of the year and yellow card did a lot of things in our lives together, so we go way back. Way back. We, so far back. So far back. All, all young, the way back. Young lads. Although just, we, we will talk about this, I'm sure, but, uh. We didn't always love each other a whole lot in the early days. We didn't know. And I, uh, <coughs> we uh, I loved know. you we, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing is we have to, we maybe have to get to the bottom of it because I'm going to accept guilt because for me, it was just like any, I, I had a bad taste in my mouth right away because with any, any band at that time that was like super screamy, I just didn't get it. And yeah. not going into uh, all the reasons why I, I, was a difficult human being at that time for my own reasons. Um, I I was just, I was like easily pissed off. You were like, you were like Tom Hanks and Biggs. And big, <laughs> sure. You seen the sure. bigs? <laughs> sure, I don't, I don't get uh, it. So, so it's more of like a like a genre thing. Like we we grew up on this like on on kind of the West Coast Fat Records, super melodic punk stuff, and then evolved into whatever the pop punk thing that was going on. And so I was just kind of like I don't I don't get it. And that said, that's where I know it. Like my attitude came from. Where the specific di- like disagreement or disturbance was i don't i don't know i don't, I don't think any story. of us really know i don't remember the a moment or like a like a you know because like some people it, it was definitely like warp tour time back oh three oh four and you know some bands have like you know near physical altercation beef and yeah it was like yeah. it was never like that no, it was just never. sort of like a, we didn't even talk to was, each other it was no like, it was really? like a shit talk it was like it was, among the buses it was right. stupid like it was like standoffish it was yeah. very yeah. like but why it's because sean stole my backflip <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just joking i mean there was a competition yeah. vibe I, I think it was just we were both coming up at the same time you had an avenue we, we had an we, avenue. Was, we accidentally <laughs> had anything to do with it <laughs> i don't know that was just random and that was funny our records came out like week a week after each other too right yeah, yeah. it was like the yeah. same end of the same summer 2003 and yeah. we were like like there was so much buzz in our camp and the label talking about how it was just going to pop off. Everybody was super stoked talking about how we were this amazing live band and everyone was just talking to us, like really st- stoking our egos. And then we hear about, I think we actually had to push our release date at one point because maybe it was the same as theirs, know, we, right? We, ours got pushed like five times. So that just so, happened back in the day all the time. So we were like talking about you guys because you were the other band that was like coming up with your major label debut. So I think it was just that like young band insecurity thing like, yeah, well, well that's, 
fucking our shit's gonna be better. <laughs> uh, yeah, on my end, it was for sure that where like I was, and like I've talked about this on podcasts and interviews, and when I try to just be like a, an open book about it now, like if I can, you know. But um, made a lot of made a lot of stupid calls back then, and a lot of it though, a lot of it came from insecurity. I think I don't, we don't need to get too heavy here on on the, the yeah, we farts and dicks podcast, but <laughs> I. Uh, I, I like I was just so freaked out all the time about singing and and like the 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 like speed at which everything was going now in hindsight like I know that's what it was you know but like the the personalities in our band weren't always very great together and all those things just piled up on, on me I think and I didn't have the tools to like to deal with it you know mentally very well and so having something like not like like a band that you think you know I don't I'm not I don't get it I don't I don't understand why everybody likes that so much like it just turns in makes you an ass I just yeah. I was just an asshole about it I think we were and I'm we sorry were, we were mad it's because you guys you guys on Warp Tour in 04 you had a personalized tent in front of your bus and a mini pool and we were jealous as <laughs> fuck we of that hard on the hang Some, station you for sure yeah. chilled. Some of it was jealousy on both sides. We, I was going to say, we were all fucking early 20s, you know? We were kids. Yeah. 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 What the fuck did we know? So, yeah, uh, anybody who was kicking ass and having success at the time was a little bit of a threat to everybody, you know? Although it wasn't really that way, but... I just think it's so dumb, and I don't... No yeah. regrets, you know, like whatever. We can't, no regrets. We can't, like, <laughs> we can't harp on it because you can't get it back, but it no. is a bummer because of how how good, like how good our relationships ended up being now. Like whenever yeah. I see you guys, it's like the best hangs. Yeah. It's like, you know, hangs. like, like we missed a lot of hangs. It sucks, man. If we would have been uh, the buds, we are now on warped. Oh four. We all might've died. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I do remember, um, I don't know if it was warped or a radio show. I don't remember, but, um, this was after yellow card. You came on our bus. This, you guys remember it was this? a radio show in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was like while they were on a hiatus there yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you came and on our a puppy on their rider. <laughs> well, you uh, you came on our bus and kind of to- everything you just said le- over the last couple minutes. You kind of told us in person at this show. I don't know if you remember this. Um, and I just remember everyone like after after you left was like that was so so legit, like such a awesome thing to do. And I think from that moment on, we were just like that that guy's like fucking great like that band's great like, everything's great you guys yeah. remember what i'm yeah, talking about you, right? you, you, you gave yeah, us like I, a sincere i'm sorry I, I was not always the best person and we were all like fuck it that's awesome okay let's be friends that was yeah probably 11 I 12 years it ago being in canada why what would i what was i doing i don't know. In canada? I remember it being in florida no, it was no it was this josh radio, always knows yeah uh, it's this radio it was this radio show that like we showed up to it might have been in like I don't but remember. yellow card wasn't playing no they played really but like for some reason, they were there. It might have been like a different day, but oh. they were still. I don't remember. Oh, okay, I don't remember okay. exactly. I re- I'm, like, I'm saying I remember the experience. Like I remember doing that. I remember having the thought and making the choice to say it's time to to do this. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember where it was or yeah. When I, it was. I don't yeah. remember where yeah. it was yeah. either. It was I just weird. remember he, you came on the bus and we just had this like bro session and and you left and I was like that was fucking amazing. Yeah, you it know? was this weird show where we walked like we saw the venue and there were like. I don't know, 700 feet away, there were big like screens for the other people beyond the stage. Like it was so far away. We were like, how the fuck are we going to fill this thing? (laughs) Like we, I mean, it was a radio show, but whatever. And like we walked out on stage and the whole thing was filled and we were like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. (laughs) Canada. Yeah. It was in Canada. I don't remember where, but it was there. Either way. Point being, we became. Those radio shows, man. Oh yeah. yeah. Missed those days. 
But then we were fucking besties, bro. Well, <laughs> yeah, then we, man. Then, then we toured uh, Australia together. That was awesome. Um, yeah, that, that was, was like the a, real defining yeah. moment. Yeah, that yeah. was like it was like 2010 or 11, and then that's 11, when we yeah. we all hung out hard, and we we're like, we're all yeah. fucking friends now. This is awesome. Yeah, that yep. that was that was when, like I said, like I w- I was just I I remember thinking like, well, a we might be dead, but B, <laughs> bummer, we weren't buds yeah. back yeah. then. We all because... went broke because we had like four days off in Sydney. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's when... <laughs> that's when, you... when... So, you know, the thing in Australia, right, where like they, they their minimum wage is like super high, so yeah. everyone just has more dollars, really, in a way. So like everything costs more, right? Yeah. So like a, a combo meal, a fast food combo meal here that's four bucks is like 12 bucks there. Yeah. Yeah. But usually the US dollar is like double the yeah, currency rate. Then. But when we went that in 11, they were, they were even. So yeah. like oh, every yeah. $8 beer was actually an $8 beer. Yeah, yeah. It was like a candy, like a Snickers bar was like four twenty five. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. And it was that sound wave thing where we only played on the weekends. So we yep. just went to bars every night together, yep. just like for four days in a row, like just party. So fun. Dude. I went to a bottle shop there and bought a f- eighty dollar bottle of Captain Morgan. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it was cheaper. Because it was cheaper than the bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, what? I think I actually made it home with half of that bottle. <laughs> that's that's a thing. It home. That's a thing, like nationwide in Australia, right? The the idea of bottle shops and not selling alcohol anywhere else. Yeah, right. It's, it's like you, they don't sell like hard alcohol. In spots where they sell beer and like convenience stores, like you can't get stores. it at Ralph's. Yeah, like no, a lot of a, a lot of international places are like. Like I go to Sweden a lot, and they have crazy for as like liberal seeming, you know, as you would think Sweden, Scandinavia, right? Mm-hmm. They their yeah. their liquor laws are crazy. Like the beer in the convenience stores and stuff is like two percent. It's not, it's not, you can't get like real <laughs> beer. They sell well beer. Water. Yeah. Yeah. They sell beer, but it's like low out. Al- you can only get low alcohol beer in, in the, it's the shop, like, Utah. like a grocery store. Yeah. You have to go to a, a bottle shop. Yeah. And like some, some of them you can walk around and get what you need. Some of them you have to like stand at a counter and like point to like, mm-hmm. I want them and then they go get it for you. Weird. Str- I, I just Australia, their Captain Morgan tastes like bourbon and it sucks. You know what I Josh remember is very about, particular um, about his Captain Morgan. What, hanging in Australia, like, that was we were big into like icing people in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We the iced one everybody. night, the, the one one of the nights we went. It was when at the, at the time our, our bassist was my good buddy Sean O'Donnell, and um, he wore his bathrobe out that night, yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> And we, we had, we like couldn't get in anywhere because it's, he had a bathrobe on. Oh yeah. And you remember that? And, yeah. we ended and so up we, we, oh. we ended up in, in some pub, um, in King's cross, like that finally would let us in and all time low was with us and literally at, at one point in the night, literally went to the bar for another ice for this icing you speak of. And they <laughs> said, we don't, uh, we're, we don't have any more. And so whoever was asking was like, we'll, we'll drink it hot. It doesn't matter. And they were like. No, you already drank all the hot ones too. <laughs> we don't. We don't have any more. I remember we, that exact bar. We went real crazy on oh, it that yeah. night. Yeah, you guys should explain yeah. what icing is. People, so, people don't so know. Icing yeah. is. Yeah. You buy a Smirnoff ice, and then you have to be sneaky and hand it some, hand it to someone. Yeah. And if they like just aren't paying attention and they physically take it from you. They have to get down on one knee and slam the I, whole thing. I thought it was just if it appears in their line of sight. Yeah, they, that's yeah, what I thought too. Because we, that's how, that's how, that's how we were playing that night. We were just doing it. Yeah, I was. We used to hide them in backpacks and under pillows and all kinds of shit like that on the bus. I thought you had to take it. 
Like you had to physically take it. I think that's how it started. But yeah, we were very lenient on the rules. It's just like, ah, you looked at it. Fucking drink it. Yeah, we would like put it, just put it on your pillow. So when you open the curtain and the bus, you're you're right. You thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that reminds me of the other thing that, that we played forever, the Birdman. That kid. Oh God! Did, did you guys do Birdman? Yeah, but I I hated it, and I never. I was like, no, no. I was I was, I was in just it. Stu- no, I'm not doing that. I yeah. got I got <laughs> out. I was in it for a long time, and then, so hold on, let's uh, describe what it is before you tell the story because okay, so this bird, is a great ending. The Birdman is like where you, nobody can see it. You, you know how you 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 do like the OK symbol with your with both fingers. You flip it upside down. You put it over your eyes, yeah. so you have that. So thing. yeah, so you do that to somebody, and if someone sees you, you have to lay down on the ground. Right? No so matter two, yeah. what the situation two, yeah. is. Yeah. Yes. Two versions. Yeah. We would do it on stage to people all the time. Yeah. yeah. If you're sitting down, you just have to stand up. Yeah. But if you're standing, you have to lay down on the ground. Both shoulders have to touch the ground the, fully. The shows, by the way, are what really pissed, started to piss me off because <laughs> I like... Well, I, we're, rel- so we're relentless with that shit too, though. We uh, don't dude, give a fuck. Yeah, I think we started getting you guys constantly on that <laughs> it tour. It started to drive me insane that it was happening during the shows because I'm, uh, I'm neurotic about like... You're like, well, I have a fucking guitar. I'm singing. I can't fucking lay down right now. Stop I it. loved when it happened on shows. I didn't like when it was like raining outside and it was like 12 That's degrees. That's I got out. Yeah, me too. I was so, like, I'm done. Chip got me our my drum tech chip johnny venus whatever you want to call him he in england right no we were in like pennsylvania some fucking weird spot where it had just rained the ground was totally wet giant puddles and shit yeah i had a brand new like authentic <laughs> starter card- coat cardinals jersey on it was like 280 dollars you were coming out of the dressing room with all your shit too yeah, right your bags I, it, it, no I, I was i was like in a restaurant like I walked outside, he was inside, and he did it, and I went, "That's it, I'm out." Maybe I'm thinking yeah, of mine. I quit. That was it. I was done. I was like, I can't ruin this jersey. <laughs> like yeah. it's two hundred eighty dollars. Maybe I'm thinking of my thing. I may have, you know, how you come out of the dressing room, you have got your backpack, you got yeah, all your yeah, shit yeah. that you're bringing back out to the bus, and I think I had literally just it was raining. I had one foot in a puddle, and I looked over and saw it, and I just go, "I'm out." It should be noted that all of these games, air quotes, games were yeah. being played by men in their mid thirties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the Grown other one? The, the, uh, where you're holding the beer or the drink? Oh, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Club. Club. But you can't know, bro. Sorry, but as a member, you can't you can't tell everyone what that one is. Ah, that, oh, that's yeah. true. Secret. Okay. But Initiation I, I do, is this: you have to agree before you're in. That's the yeah, whole catch. I do randomly text right. uh, Ryan Mendez. Are you in the He's Buffalo the worst club? about it, dude. He's the I, yeah. worst. I'll text, him, I'll text him, and every now and then I'll get like a text back and go, "Fuck." <laughs> he, dude, that guy drinks water out in his left hand. Like <laughs> he is. I did like the I did most hardcore. I did that to Dan in like Indonesia or something, and oh, he had a, yeah. he had a full pitcher of beer in his hand <laughs> on stage. On stage, it was like I was bringing it out to like put on the stage so oh we could drink God. it. And I he think got it. We but probably. We were in, we, we were in we Indonesia, prob- so I said, fuck it. I just chugged it. But. Yeah, we probably would have found something in the rule book that gets you off of a pitcher. Yeah. Nah. Is, is it Australia where you have to, it's called a shoey? We have to drink the beer out of the oh, shoe? God, oh, I did, I did that too. Ugh. Oh, yeah. That's the worst. Don't do, ever do, do you, that. Are you familiar? Did you ever do this? The shoey? I don't think I did. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no. I, uh, do you guys remember the bar? Um, uh, I don't remember which city it's in. But we've been more than once, and I feel like you guys probably would have gone too, where they have the, like, um, they have the drag, like the drag show. Oh, yeah. It's like a crazy, it's neon lights and graffiti, you know, like the graffiti like, like lights down, up on the walls. It's from downstairs. The, the drag the, Yeah, there's downstairs. one of those like punching machine thing mm-hmm. games. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah we, like I'm we pretty sure I did Don't the shoey there. Don't know what city. Oh. I can't remember what city it's in. Melbourne? 
I so, know yeah. that our tour manager, Charlie Fox, at the time, the first time I went to that, I didn't go, the first time I went there, it's a legendary place, it's been there for a long time. I can't remember what it's called, don't remember where it is, I'm being very fucking helpful, <laughs> I know. Um, Someplace on earth. First time I went was in 2012, when Yellow Card was there that year, and our tour manager, Charlie Fox, at the time, got in deep shit with his wife, because he ended up in his underwear just fully raging up on the stage, like pole, basically pole dancing nice, with, with nice. cross-dressing fellows. <laughs> nice. And it was, it was a shit show, nice. but, but at the same time, it was just so perfectly Australian, you know, yes. it's like, yeah. you know, what's perfectly Australian. The, the petting zoo, do you guys do that? Like you get where you hold the koalas and the, yeah. the oh, reserves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And stuff. oh yeah. 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 Oh, what's it called? Lone, lone elk. No, that's no, here. Lone, <laughs> that's all 44. Lone, lone pine. pine. Lone, lone pine. pine. Yeah. 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 Which is a great name because uh, that's the name of the mall after Marty took yeah. out one of the pine trees. Dude, it's the most touristy <laughs> shit you could ever do. But every time we go, it's like the highlight of my trip. I like love it. Do you guys like spoon kangaroos? I have. We didn't. <laughs> this wasn't Lone Pine, but we went to a different one in Melbourne that was like ten minutes away. We went to an actual zoo. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I have video of uh, of us. Like, I'm filming like a lion, and it was like. The, he didn't like there was no like giant roar but he just kind of went yeah and, like you could feel it yeah. like in your chest when he did it when he walked by you're like ah was that taste of chaos when howard jumped in the, yeah, the tasmanian devil yeah, from, yeah, from killswitch we did do that that yeah. was lone pine howard from killswitch jumped in the in the fucking thing with the a tasmanian, tasmanian devil yeah, and just jumped, ran he around the moat yeah and then fucking jumped back out do you yeah. guys also remember walking around do you guys also remember what he did with that uh, with that beer with that pint glass? With that pint with, glass, do you remember that giant yeah. dick in it? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna let you guys know. Howard, formerly of Killswitch Engage, uh, makes he, Scoobs he's in, look he's like in, an infant. He's in a new band now. You don't remember the band name, but yeah, he put his whole dick into a pint glass. Limp dick, limp yeah. dick, and touched the bottom of the pint glass. <laughs> yeah. Wow! And we, all, we all just yeah. went, whoa! Yeah, he must be a shower, not a grower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. If he's a grower, I'm, that's, you, I feel sorry for... You get lightheaded from that. Is on the receiving end of that thing. <laughs> yeah. But dude, he... Told you we'd talk about dicks. For anyone who doesn't yeah. know what he looks like, he's a he's a pretty tall dude. He's probably six feet, but he's a big, swole-ass dude. Yeah. And, He'll beat your ass. And to hear him scream and shit in a band like Killswitch, it, it was so funny to watch how he jumped in that Tasmanian Devil enclosure, and then that little, like, six-pound thing started to chase him, and he yeah. ran from it. But, <laughs> also, <laughs> but also scared of crowds. Yeah, he is kind of, like, he socially has, awkward. Like, social anxiety. Like, he was always, like, nervous to go on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. Looking at him, you go, you, you can't be afraid of much. Did you guys ever get that, like, like stage fright? No. I've never had it. Never I was just going to say, I think I had that not for shows. I definitely had it for TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, like yeah. anytime we did Letterman or Leno or the worst was the MTV awards. That one was just it, like, it, it, it was the worst cotton mouth that mm. you can imagine. Like think the first time you smoked weed, if you ever did when you were like 15 or whatever, <laughs> and Drugs you felt losers. like your just like your mouth was glued shut like that. I would get so nervous for TV stuff that that would yeah. happen to me like involuntarily. My mouth would just go, and it, that's great for singing, you know. That's why I always sounded so good on TV. I think, <laughs> um, but but I was just like, and then the, that happens, and then you get perpetually more nervous because you sound shittier each time because you're nervous yeah. about the time last time, and you know. Yeah, but I was gonna say, loop. I think one of another thing, kind of touching on like how we didn't vibe early on, and I, I take responsibility for a lot of that. I feel like not for shows, like huge crowds, warp tour crowd, like that never. Um, I didn't feel like I had anxiety from that. I feel like there are t- two things. I would, um, I was really like over 
concerned or, or like too concerned with the show going well. It wasn't the crowd that made me nervous. It was like if something would break or like a guitar was out of tune when it was handed to me or the monitors were off or something like that, that would make me go into like full blown anxiety mode. And I was really not good at like masking it on stage. Mm. And I hate that, but it is what it is. And it's done now. So well, I but, think like every, every band goes through like, phases of that where yeah somebody, and people are like somebody, a bad night but dude mine was like it was no, an it was like, an uncontrollable temper thing and i had to do like years of work on it so it was like we we just got drunk and broke stuff yeah, that's how we yeah, dealt with it yeah. we covered everything up by just running around and yeah. being like oh, fuck it yeah, right. like for a long time i was the only one on in-ears i was the only person in the band on in-ears so i heard everything right so it's like i'm playing the show I'm getting bummed out because I know it sounds like shit. <laughs> Looks great. Looks fantastic. Everybody else is having a great time. But I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know what they're playing. Yeah, we sound like we're playing our instruments in like a hailstorm. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, there, like there was a certain stretch of time where I took Adam completely out of my mix. Was that like last week? <laughs> I think I took Ryan out of my mix for a long time where it was like, I can't, I can't listen because he's not... He's improvising, which is great, but it's throwing me off because it's so improvised. It's yeah. so out of left field that it didn't make any sense. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just listen to Dan and Phil. <laughs> like, my, I don't know. My ear mix was always, I like had to learn how to get get like into it and vibe and 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 have a new way to drum up that energy because my mix was seriously, my guitar uh, off to the right a little bit, Ryan Ryan's guitar off to the left, my vocal and click. That's it. So like, oh, yeah. well, you played to like a click the whole time. Mm-hmm. So oh. I, I had, uh, I mean, depending on the venue, I would get a little kick and snare sometimes. Um, but I, I definitely, I didn't deal well with the, like it with stuff being off book either. It would throw, it would just throw me so, so much. So, um, I, I kind of got to a point where like, same as you, I just had to have it kind of streamlined to like vocal and well, guitar we, and that's it. We, we talked about this before a little bit, but also, we were touring so much and playing so many shows that it really did kind of come become Groundhog Day. Oh, for sure. So we started kind of like doing shit just to keep it fun. To entertain ourselves. Yeah. But so you're also like, a yeah. shredder, so you can just do that. See, like, Well, no, no one can play well if you're like inside a laundry cart getting pushed off the stage. <laughs> or, uh, like, like I would cut Adam's bass strings off like in the middle of the concert. Uh, this really, uh, yeah, so dude, like, we, it, it became less about like... We're going to play great and more just like, what fucking crazy shit well, can we get up to tonight think, to entertain ourselves so we don't lose yeah, our mind? I think the problem I had was like, if I play bad, the whole show's bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's really noticeable if the drummer is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's we, where we, can, it, we can fuck up a lot more than you. For yeah, sure. yeah. So it's like, that, that's where I was just kind of like, what? Well, I'm playing fine. I don't know what the fuck everybody else is doing. And our priority, our priority was definitely like the show first. Yeah, look, look good the first. The show first. Yeah. Well, at least to like, the people in this room like entertain the crowd have ha fun have fun entertain Try the to crowd sound all right Th that was like last on the list it yeah, was just yeah. like how much fucking fun well, can this, we have this is a great segue because yeah. that 2011 tour we did with with you guys with yellow card uh we still didn't play on a click or anything we no. were just raw dogging it every night <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were like every night we were like god damn it yellow card is so much better yep. than us yeah and like we've all freaked out and immediately started playing to click the next tour like after yeah, that well also we've been trying to be yeah, as good it, as you we guys were 10 that, years ago we also did that tour without like having played for a long time together but it was was a nightly conversation like dude yeah, they're yeah. so much we better like, 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 it was like they're really good tonight we were really bad tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we so, i mean 
Ryan, dude, Mendez is, is such a talent on guitar, you know, and and uh, and Sean O'Donnell at the time, my buddy was playing bass. He's just such a fundamental kind of hold it down type bass player. We that was just a really solid iteration of the band, I think, where we were just playing really tight and solid. And yeah, um, you guys were on it, and we were we were we were fresh back to doing it again, you know. So um, like we we recorded that the record that we were touring on that year in in the like late 2010, um, but we had been off for two and a half years prior to that. I not at that point thought we were broken up before we got back together to do that record. We just never kind of made an announcement saying we're broken up. So I'm glad that we didn't. But either oh, way, you did what we, we, you by, did what we did for seven years. <laughs> you you were away for seven right? But in, in 2011, had you been away for seven years? No, no, well, exactly. No, no. So no, like we were, that's we we, we had just gotten yeah, back was... to playing, and it kind of stays on on brand with the conversation of like like getting into Groundhog Day and starting to play some stuff maybe that's like not on the record or not the way it's recorded on the record. That was always a huge point of contention in Yellow Card. There was kind of a camp that like wanted it played exactly the way. My hand is raised. I'm in that camp, me, and then a, a team me. that that didn't, and it, it would it was there were a lot of, there was a lot of tension a lot of times over that. But in 2011, we had just come back, and uh, um, I think that version of the band you saw was I agree. I mean, I think it was a really tight, solid, um, as I said, like iteration of the band because it was still we weren't frustrated with Groundhog Day yet. No one was, you know what I mean? We we had a bunch yeah. of new songs we were playing yeah. and we were for the most part, I think playing them like as they were recorded. And um, I think we always played best when we played that way personally, but, um, but yeah, yeah. That like time frame for us too was like at the, like the slowing down, we were on the downhill of it. Mm -hmm. we yeah, it was ready. the opposite for us. Yeah, we were getting yeah. ready to be done for a long time. Well, and it, well, it like... only lasted for four more years for us, boys, until we were like, <laughs> oh, yeah. man, we got to quit. Yeah, <laughs> so, we oh, were, this isn't working still. You didn't miss Shit. out on too much. <laughs> well, it was also for us, like, we spent a decade plus, like, not arrogant, but, like, you know, we were just in the mindset, like, we'll put our live show against fucking anybody. You know, yeah. and to agree, yeah. we still kind of feel like that, you know? Um and that was the first time, like, just speaking for myself, that, like, I vividly remember on that tour, like, for the first time, like, that kind of, that uh, mentality of just, like, bass, drums, vocal, guitar, no bullshit, just raw fucking rock and roll ethos, you know? Like... It didn't work anymore. It was... I was questioning it for the first time. Yeah. I was like, are we fucking rock and roll and punk rock, or are we just, like, behind the curve? Are we just behind the times, and do we actually sound like shit? And I was so used to just being full of this, like... uh arrogance about our band like not arrogance but like this uh extreme confidence about our, our about our live show it's like i'll play after fucking metallica i don't care i'll play after anybody but that tour i was like damn we're like the worst sounding band on this whole tour and we talked <laughs> we talked about you guys every night like they're just destroying us yeah. you know and it's like that was the tour it's like all right we're getting on a click all these strings and all this extra shit we have on of our records it's time to you know yeah. implement yeah. it live it was a lot because of watching you guys on that in, tour. In regards Thanks to that, a lot, Brian. <laughs> You're welcome. God damn it. <laughs> in regard in regards to that though, like I still feel I don't care how this comes off, I still feel like there are bands that like that would have played after us because of their like notoriety at the time. I still feel like there's bands that didn't take us on tour because of our live show. I feel like there's bands that like didn't want to play after us. Uh yeah they're I just they're, and, and that sounds like cocky and like and whatever, but like no, I had conversations with Reese about that same thing. Yeah, it's like there there were bands that like said, no, 
There were the Linkin Parks that loved that and were weren't threatened by it. They were yeah, just like hell yeah. But there were like bands a, that definitely like, like in our genre that were like, yeah. nah, we're not gonna, we yeah. can't play after that. Yeah, bands that we really could have benefited from touring with yeah, yeah. that were just like, nah, no, we don't want to do that. Yeah, and that's not, it. Sounds shitty. Like it sounds like shitty on my end of like. Uh, we were fuck. We ripped, but like we did. <laughs> Josh, we still rip, bro. Well, I mean, you know what I'm saying. At yeah, the, but it's, at, especially you got to have some confidence to be a, yeah, this, be a kick-ass always, band. There's a fine you know? line between confidence and arrogance. You just got to yes, walk yeah. it yeah. properly. That's true. Yeah, I think we just gotten like because of you guys, bands like All Time Low, like some of our peers, and just like right now, I think we have like the last couple of years, we have this like really good balance of of playing, you know, what's on the record and being on a click track and like sounding like the record, but also still, you know, being kind of spontaneous and fucking loose. And I don't know. I think we have a good mix. We sound way better than we used to. Oh my God. Before we watch old videos, it's we like, worked Ugh. really hard in that, in like the second coming of yellow card that starting in like 2011, we, we made a choice to, as you just said, Ryan, like use some more tracks and stuff, but I've always stood by, we didn't do anything track wise that wasn't being, that, that wasn't written and recorded by the band first yeah. of all, and that we, or, and, or we weren't also playing live and, and clear and would be way louder in the mix live. So like the string stuff, like, what are you going to do? We can't afford to take a cello player, Dude, a viola player is, and, yeah. and, a, and a second violinist on, on tour. We can't do that. And, but it's such a huge part of our records all the way back to the beginning, to our first independent record. Like we have string players on every album. And in fact, on every record, except for a couple, it was the same two string players in addition to Sean. Um, so they're really like part of the band, Rodney and, and, and Christine, our viola and cello players. And so we felt like, dude, who cares? Like it, it's part of what we do. It's part of our sound. If anybody has a problem with it, then they cannot come to the show because yeah, when I yeah. look back on it now, when we started to add that stuff in, like we would add a third rhythm guitar on, on, on tracks, you know, kind of like just chilling in the middle in the choruses and stuff, uh, the same way we would do on an album. And some people think that's weird. They're like, you have a guitar on tracks. It's like, we're still yeah. fully ripping and shredding every guitar part that we play every night, you know, and have always played. This just makes it sound better. And you can either adapt or not to the technology and the tools you have at your disposal. And the fact that we were able to tour with, um, with this, these systems that used to cost just like tens of thousands of dollars to be able to do something like that. Now it's like a laptop and a, and a, and a rack mounted, um, you know, mixer that we're mm -hmm. able to run all of this amazing sounding shit through, we sounded like a fucking stadium rock band in 1500 cap rooms. And that yeah, was like, yeah. to us, again, I think it also plays into the Groundhog Day thing. It was something new for us to do. Like when we came back to be a band again in 2011, we wanted to do new stuff. We wanted to try new things and go to new places with the band. It, it ended up not you know, going quite as well as I think we wanted it to over the course of the whole decade, but not not to say we didn't have an amazing run. We were, you know, we had several sold out tours and international and all that stuff, but I'm just saying all this because the tracks were a big part of how we felt. We made our sound just bigger and better and massive. And in, in all honesty, it made me play better because yeah, it, I did have a lot of that stuff in my, I would have the strings in my, in my monitors. I said it was just guitar and click, but as, as that stuff built, I would put some of that more cool sounding stuff, the synth sounds and stuff like that in my, in my ears. And it sounded so sick that it like made me more into the show. It made me sing better, kept my pitch more solid. Um, just made me more confident on stage because I knew how sick it sounded. So, you know, the debate over tracks, I think goes back and forth, especially in rock and roll. Um, and, 
and and I think it's unfortunate when people are just like you're cheating or you're it's it's a cop out, you know, like because it, it's just not it's not at it's all. Kinda like, it's kind of like, look, man, we don't have Foo Fighters money. Yeah, yeah. We gotta. We, we can't bring people. Yeah, if you could hire two more guitar players and string players and every, you know, like someone to play the keyboards and all that shit. Sure, dude, I'm down. But, but who but in also, their right mind can afford that stuff at our level? No, no one. No one can. Yeah. Um, and also, it kind of like for me, it opened up a whole new way of approaching songwriting. You know, because like totally, like uh, with Wolves, our last record. Like I got really into the idea of like oh shit, like this is going to sound incredible live. And like being the dude that writes like most of the music in the band, like I found myself Allegedly. like, <laughs> I found myself like um, equally as excited to write like a cool synth part. Like I love like pulsing synth shit and all that like electronic stuff. Like I really love that shit. And I get as excited to compose that stuff as I do guitar riffs. And whereas like 10 years ago, it'd be like, oh, we can't have that because how are we going to pull that off live? Because we can't yeah. afford a fucking Absolutely. keyboard player. Yeah. We can't afford it. Like, there was, now, there was that like, stigma back, back yeah, then. Yeah, but, but it's like influenced even the way I write. Like I get stoked to put that on tracks because live, I know between songs, it's just going to be this like, whoa, 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 like, cool song link that's on the record. How'd and, that go? Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> when I, I have my whammy bar, my mic, it's gonna be sweet. I stand by the fact that you wrote it, dude, and you recorded it, and yeah, you, yeah, sound, yeah. you designed yeah. the sound. You know, especially with synth electronic stuff, like you, you created that sound. So, yeah, yeah. Why, why should you not be allowed to have that as part of your live show just because you can't afford another musician on tour? I think it's bullshit. Yeah, the we would, we is bullshit. Would, yeah, but we, we, someone from Glassjaw looks down on it. Well, we would yeah, never exactly have like a guitar do. solo. <laughs> we would never have like a guitar solo or like a lead vocal part or anything like that. Same. But like. Yeah. Yeah. Strings, fucking keyboards, any Supporting, of that stuff. Supporting, not like. Yeah. Any yeah. of that stuff. Like, yeah. like to your exact point about having your ears, like, I put that shit in my monitors as loud as I put my guitar because it makes my show better. It makes yeah. me feel it better. I feel like we just sound better. This shit's fuller. Awesome. I love Dude, it. Putting the put, putting that rhythm guitar in for uh, for me, like when I would go out front and listen to the mix and, and like our engineer would would mm -hmm. you know mute it and unmute it you talk about like how do you really on a record the chorus is going to lift like because of all the extra shit that comes in like you know the tambourines and the and the third rhythm or fourth rhythm or whatever you do just put mm -hmm. that shit in there it sounds fucking awesome and you played it it's like, on the album you know what yeah. i mean so and i go i would go out and watch it and just be like wow dude we sound so much different and bigger and better than we ever did and so I, it just made me feel feel good, and I, I I hate that stigma that you're like cheating or it's not real yeah. rock and roll. So I think dumb. so much of that take on it, that like judgment of it, comes from people our age and older. Everyone younger than us, it just became normal. Yeah, like, thing. of course. There's so many bands in like you know just like our overlapping scenes, the warped kind of scene, where at least half of their shit is on tracks. At yeah. least they're more like supporting their tracks than vice versa. So it's so normal. Kids are used to hearing it. It's not weird to them anymore. And then on like the opposite end, in terms of like justifying this with history and now, think about Queen when they really started doing shit like Bohemian Rhapsody. They had literally had like an ADAT machine playing that shit on tracks. They knew that they couldn't bring out a fucking choir. Right. Right. Or a band like Guns N' Roses who did bring out or have like a local symphony in every single city. Either way... All that, all that should just make it obvious that it's not a big fucking deal. Hey, uh, if it's cool with you guys, I kind of want to like, I kind of want to uh, take a turn real quick to something kind of heavy. I just, if you're open to talking about it, like weights, heavy weight, aerobics. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kind of curious what life is like 
for William Ryan Key, like post yellow card, like yeah. um, like now, but like right after it ended, like that first year, like how how was that transition back going? Like I know you keep creative and you do like your solo shit, and like you're, you're like me, you're just wired that way. You're gonna be uh, a creative person for the rest of your life, but like. Still, there's somewhat of a transition to like quote unquote normal life mm-hmm. to some degree because you're not touring full time. You're not in this platinum selling band anymore. Like, what was that transition like? Like that first year. Well, we're we're thinking about breaking up, so we're trying to see what's going to be like. <laughs> yeah, we want to well, know how our life's going to be soon. <laughs> I, let me let me preface that uh, just for to preface it by like, so we didn't we never broke up, but we did take like a seven year hiatus and. To a large degree, it was a kind of like a return to real life. Like you talk to people. Like here's an example. Um, I'm also a photographer, right? So I supplement supplement my income working as a professional photographer. I'll do shoots, and the people will be like, "Dude, like word will get around on like the set that I'm on." You know, like, "Dude, you're you're like the dude from Story of the Year." Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, yep. you have like a million dollars in the bank. Yep. Like now, people know <laughs> a little money. bit more now, but especially those first couple of years into our hiatus, people are like, "What the fuck are you do- playing with the cameras for?" Like, you definitely have a Lambo and a mansion and millions of dollars and shit. Yep. And it's like, I wonder if you've kind of dealt Which we with don't. that and like, <laughs> for the record, for the record, yeah. no, we don't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, so I, I don't know that I'm just like endlessly fascinated by these kind of, you know, these kind of stories and shit. So like, what, what's that been like for you? Well, it's, I mean, it happened to me twice, you know, so yeah. you'll always be Ryan from yellow card and, to a lot, <laughs> to most, to a lot of people. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I guess that comes later in this answer that 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 can be actually be a kind of a problem sometimes, you know? Um, yeah. But the the first time when we broke up in 08, um, uh, it was a lot of it was was financially driven. And uh, so I'm prefaced this whole conversation with put the creative stuff on a shelf for a minute because obviously that's why we do what we do and we love creating and making music and, and, and that's why I do what I do. And then go back to the fact that you have to make a living and this... Concept, you know, this the people's perception, as you said, Ryan, that like you're just you, you have a Lambo, you know. Um, <laughs> Yellow card was on TRL, and we won a VMA, and we so that that and we did make a lot of money. We did, but we were 24. We had no responsibility. We had no. I, I you know, I, my parents tried. I didn't listen. You know, we didn't take care of finances. We just partied and 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 lived it up, and and you know thought it was going to last forever. So that being what it is and kudos to anyone in that situation that does take care of themselves and their finances. And and that would be my, yo, young bands, listen up, you know, don't, don't spend (laughs) your money. Like it just, you'll, you're going to need it. But either way in 08, it just had gotten to one of those really deep valleys with the tour, with touring and and finances for everything was just kind of slowing down. So dramatically for us problems with the label, not dude, not on our end, just changing personnel and employees and locations, you know, capital moved to Virgin in New York and just this whole, so we, we broke up in, in essence. And at first it was fine. I got a publishing deal with universal, but I couldn't get any songs placed, couldn't get anything stuck. So they didn't re up my thing. So for that, that lasted me for about two years come 2010 when it was, we, we started talking about making a yellow card record again. It was like, great, but I have to go back to California and I can't afford to live in California. I had left LA. I was living back East. Um, and uh, the worst I got that whole thing you're talking about, like on set, was uh, when I came to LA. I mean, it was really desperate times, call for desperate measures, and I had to have I had to have a job, dude. I had to be making money, and I was literally barbacking at the W, like at the at Dre's, the nightclub at w, at the W Hotel, like. Mm. My shirt said Dre's on it, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people were either kind of flabbergasted or really 
dickhead about it. You know, I had a couple of like confrontations with people who were like, <laughs> like customers. Yes. Holy and uh, so that was like, like, you say, Hey, you motherfucker stole records. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, just, just letting, you know, just putting it out there like that, that a lot of, a lot of us have gone through experiences like that. You, you can't, we've all been there. We've all been there as well. Well, dude, you can't that's just exactly stop what we've living because you were the lead singer of a band that was big once, you know, and, yeah. and yeah, we, right. we didn't maintain that level of success. It is what it is. And I did what I had to do to get through and get out the other side and still be able to make music, you know, and I did it and I survived it. And it taught me so many lessons. And I was, I feel like my whole encounter with being in a band from the, on, on the second round from 2010 till now has been so greatly enhanced because of that experience. So that story I just told you of having to clock in again for a day job for the first time in, in a, in a decade at that point, you know? Um, but when, so to really answer your question, when it was like over, over, um, we like, kind of have had have whatever an agreement about like not really talking a whole lot about the, in, the, the inner workings of what happened at the end, um, within the band. But I will, I think I can say without getting in trouble that like, I, it, it, I was blindsided by the concept. It wasn't something I brought to the table. It was something I had to come to terms with. Um, I was happy with the way it was done. I was a big part of organizing all the ways that we were going to going to close it out. But the initial decision to do it was, was not made by me per se. Um, and then it evolved into being a collective decision that really was for the best of everyone. So hopefully that spells that out correctly. Um, <laughs> but when it went, so that said the final tour, we, we, you know, we went from this needs to happen because X, Y, and Z, a lot of it being financially driven, um, being away from, from home and, and working as many months of the year as we were for the return we were getting was just starting to diminish at a pretty steady rate. So then we say, all you, by the way, if you guys start doing really, really well again, just take notes. Cause all you got to do is quit. And then you're bigger than you ever were before. So <laughs> when we quit, dude, that tour in 16 and the beginning of 17 was as big as, as anything we ever did m money wise. I mean, even Ocean Avenue, height of Ocean Avenue time, even though we were playing for like four or 5,000 people, the, the, the guarantees and stuff we were getting on the final tour were on par with all of that, even for House of Blues shows and stuff. It was absolutely wild. So yeah. it was super successful. It was, I was very happy with that. It gave me a lot of breathing room to figure out what I was going to do next. But none of that matters, dude, because it's not about fucking money. We need the money. Yep. I, I, I love to travel. There's, you know, I have a, I, I, I like my house. I don't drive a Lambo. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm 40 years old now and it's like, I have a life that I like to live. So yeah, money's important, but it, it's never, it should never be the thing that is causing you to, to, you know, do create or not create or whatever. And so the whole thing was just so frustrating, man, because I was really grateful and happy that we went out the way we did and we had the support that we had from, from fans all over the world for seven months of like the best touring we, we ever did, but I got done and you know, I was, I was fine financially for the first time in a long time, more than fine. And, but I just, I was just checked out, dude. I was, I couldn't, it was like, there was just this, there was just a void as, as you can imagine, you know, I've been like, it, it, I felt like we lost. I felt, I felt like we, I felt defeated, you know, like whether it's yellow card or whatever it is, I am not one to quit and give up on something. And I felt like that's what I had done. I spent a lot of time thinking like, what could I have done to turn it back around? What could I have done to convince people otherwise? What could, you know? And I let myself, I think have enough 
time of like wallowing and, and pity party. And that was when that first EP I put out was kind of born. Um, I just decided to get off my ass and do something. And I didn't know what it was going to be, but I just recorded those five songs. Newfound Glory offered me a tour. I got on tour. I got on a tour in Australia, uh, on my own headlining solo. I got a full U S tour. Um, and then I made another EP, you, you know what I'm following where I'm going here? Like it just like one thing just yeah. led to another because I was creating again, because I, I stopped feeling defeated. So it was really hard, dude. I mean, and, and it's, it's still hard, you know, because sometimes you, you can't always, you can't always say, well, I'm not going to live in the past and then pull it off. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you've right. been through what we've yeah. all been through and we had those yep. glory days and that, that unbelievable level of success that we experienced. It's, it's hard some days to not go motherfucker, man. Why, why did it change? Where did it go? You know? Um, yep. but the bottom line is, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've been doing this professionally for 20 years, uh, with the exception of 2010, the one time I had to, to clock in for a job and, and fucking eat it, you know? But, um, I'm, I'm so lucky that, that I'm able to say what I just said because I'm, I'm, I'm still doing it. It's, it's a grind and I'm hustling every day to keep it alive without yellow card. But, um, but I'm figuring it out somehow. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really hard, but it was the catalyst for, for the last, uh, like, you know, three years of my career that have been just awesome and really fulfilling and opened a lot of doors for, for new stuff to do. That's rad how open you are about everything, because I really do feel like people appreciate the shit out of that. You know, I think, well, I didn't used to be. So again, it's not, I can't fix what I did in the past, but I can just be better now. You know what I mean? Dude. People appreciate it. And I don't know, especially like this day and age, you're like bombarded with just so much content and so much shit all day long that like when people get a whiff of authenticity, like no matter what it is, I I feel like we're kind of at a point that people can kind of pick up on it, you know? Yeah. So I think people hearing that it's just something different. You don't hear people talk like that a lot because this this, this industry... It's a fucking poker game. It's like you only show your best hand. You don't show weaknesses. Like, you know, publicists, you know, um, justify their paycheck, building careers, like, based on the premise of you don't show weakness. You don't talk about the bad stuff. You only show your best hand, you know? Dude, you know, so, you know a, good, go a good example of that, um, in 2006, when I had surgery on my vocal cords, uh, that, that was a big dagger in in the heart of the band because we were you know it was our sophomore record on Capitol and all of our touring stopped right in the middle of the of it we had a number a, a top five single at rock radio we were it was just killing it uh, our the second single on that record was charting at top 40 and then I, I went down and it was totally self-inflicted you know just booze and drugs and all the other fun shit we were doing back then just tore my vocal cords into shreds and I had to have surgery and we filmed a full blown like hour long documentary uh, with the guy who would, was traveling with us a lot back then um, for the label, you know, just filming B-roll and behind the scenes stuff. He came to LA and basically filmed from the minute I left my house to go into surgery until our, our first show back. He was with me all the, the whole time. And it was awesome. It was, it was the most vulnerable light at that point 
you know, that I'd ever let myself be because I was not in the business of doing that. And I think that's why I, I had a lot of trouble with the kind of people's perception of me back then. Um, again, I just don't think I had the tools to deal with our success and things the, the best way at that time mentally. And it, and it really reflected negatively on me, but either way, this video was like, there was no one around. So it's stripped down and it's me really being me and very vulnerable and recovering and repairing and getting sober. And, um, all this stuff I did to get better, at get my vocal cords back on track and singing and everything. So, and when we got it all done, the label was straight up. Like, we don't think we can, we need to show this, this like Damn. side of it. Oh, we don't, fuck. we don't, we don't want to show like him making all these weird noises and vocal classes and, and him like being kind of broken and we don't think that this is a good look and so it Dude, got, it got scrapped the whole thing i bet it i bet your fans would have absolutely loved that. i wish i could I'm, i need to try to find it I, I have no idea how i could find it i have i mean i do have like boxes and boxes of of stuff you know with records and, and dvds and stuff in them yeah um i just wonder stuff like that where it could be but man it, yeah it's a bummer it would have it would have transcended yellow card because there's people love a human story like that you know yep Mm-hmm. But that's the way Damn. it was back then. It was, it, we yeah. were, everybody was, you know, this summery pop punk thing, you know, and, yeah. and I'm sitting here going like, really, uh, have you listened to our record? That was a blatant cry for help on my part. And now I'm <laughs> in, in the hospital, you know, in like self-decreed sobriety because of how stupid I was and how bad I tore up my throat. Like this isn't mm-hmm. summery pop punk guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. The, the documentary would have been pretty on brand in my opinion, but, um, it didn't, didn't yep. go. Due to your story about your day job. So, you know, we, story of the year went on a hiatus. Uh, it was a couple months in that I was like, oh shit, you know, uh, can't live off savings forever. So I need to do something to supplement my, supplement my income. So I started a different band. Uh, that band in my brain was supposed to be huge. That didn't pan out. Yep. So it's like, okay, um, what else do I love to do? You know? So I got really into photography around that time. So I started doing that professionally, right? So some of the jobs I do are weddings, right? And there was a long time where I, I wouldn't admit that because it's just kind of has a stigma. It just doesn't sound cool. Like, yeah. hey, I do Like we-. publicly you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like I would never tell anybody. I guess, I mean, first of all, not that any of our bands were, uh, you know, we none of us were like Metallica or anything like that. But dude, you shoot a wedding, you can make three, four thousand dollars in seven and a half hours. Like I don't care who you are, that's fucking amazing money. Yeah, you know? yeah that's that's as good but, of money but, as we were making at like the height of our career for seven hours. Yeah. 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 So like, but still like just this, you know, I was kind of in that mindset. It's like I can't let people know, you know, that the dude from Story of the Year shoots wedding is a wedding photographer, like part time. Because I just felt I, like it was a negative stigma. I know, right? dude, I hear you. It's it's it sucks. It sucks. Well, though. so well, so I would do, I would shoot weddings and like, you know, uh, like the commercial stuff or like if I sh- shot bands or stuff, I was, I was all about telling people that cause I fucking love it and I'm proud of shit of it, you know, but like the weddings, dude, to, to, you, you know, you mentioned that there were people that would, um, kind of scoff at you and kind of like talk shit to you. Like, what the fuck are you doing here, bro? Ha ha. You know, yep. like that. Um, I always knew yellow card sucked. <laughs> well, like, and, and, and to be honest, you like get that vibe, you're like, fuck dude. I kind of really dig shooting weddings, dude. You're like photographing people on the best day of their lives. Everyone's stoked. Everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's drinking. There's, I have a daughter. So like, there's been a handful of times where like a uh, dad's doing a, uh, a speech about to his daughter. And like, I've like teared up like, Oh, Holy shit. Like, you know, like it's, it's a fucking dope job, you yeah. know, but still there's a point. I think every wedding I've ever shot, there's a point where some like 25 year old 
groomsman bro kind of figures it out and is like, what the fuck you doing here, bro? And he like starts like doing that thing where he kind of like, like I've been like treated like the help. Like, oh, fucking take a picture of this, bro. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. Know, like all that. And it's just like totally being talked down, dude. Talk, you know, like treated like I'm like the help or some shit like that, you know? 99% of times it's been great. But there's that 1% of time where I've had to deal with people like that, that they just, it blows their mind that like, cause you know, we did the TRL shit, uh, Carson Daly, fucking Jimmy Kimmel, Platinum Record. We did all that shit. Not, not quite to your level, but people have that perception and they see you. Especially in St. Louis, like yeah, our hometown. Yeah, yeah. And then they see you photographing like a bride and groom and they're like, it doesn't compute. It's that the calculus doesn't work, you know, in their brain. So it's like, what the fuck? And then you, then you explain it and just like, I actually kind of dig this and like, I, I guarantee I'm making more money in, today than you are and it's still <laughs> like they don't it still doesn't compute you know and i'm not like trying to whine or complain about it it's just like a really interesting facet of our the, this career we've all chosen that people kind of put you on this for lack of a better word this pedestal and if you're not on that pedestal they fucking hate but it. you put yourself yeah, on it too you put yourself on it for sure sure oh, yeah and you, i'm not trying you have to but you have to believe that you're yeah, yeah. that fucking cool yeah to be able I mean, to do that's, our jobs. But, but you know? it's okay yeah. that you do. It's only natural as long as you're able to look to level yourself later on, you know, figure it out. But yeah. like, yep. it takes time, especially if you're working a job like that. I mean, dude, talk about being the help. Like I said, I was fucking bar backing. Like I was the help. So it's like, and and I'll I'll get off of that, but it, it ended up being really cool. The the general manager of the of the club I was working at and I are still close friends to this day. He calls me in his office one night after uh, a kind of like altercation with a with a patron, and he was like, "Hey, uh, can I ask you something?" I was like, "Yeah, we'd never met." And he's like, "Are you uh, are you happy here?" And I'm like, uh, "Do you want me to like an- is this like a boss? Do I answer honestly? Do I?" He's like, "Yeah, seriously." And I'm like, "Fuck no, dude." I'm like, I had fucking two semi-trucks and two buses and what, four years ago, like three years ago. And now I'm doing this shit in a Dre's t-shirt, you know? And he ended up doubling my salary and giving me a plain clothes audio job where I was like mixing audio in the club for at night. And it it ended up being really cool. cool. And you know, he's funny. He was like, dude, who gives a fuck what these people think? You know, he's like, tell them you're, tell them you're opening your own nightclub and you're like studying the business. So who gives a fuck, you know? And it never came to that, but like, it was just funny where he, you know, and he was really kind of. A, um, a spirit animal for me at the yeah. time, like, like getting me through that experience and, and having a friend, kind of an ally in the fort, you know, but that was the time when I got, got out of my head about like how, uh, how self-important I was, you know, it really, really br- brings you down to earth. And as soon as you can do that for yourself and then the next step, get rid of your, your fear or anxiety about what other people think about it and about you, then you're good to go. Yeah, and I just, I just want to double down on the fact that like I'm not complaining. I just yeah, think it's really interesting. I don't take it. Yeah, like it's that. just re- yeah, it's just really interesting. I think to talk about it, even for me, I I love to hear other bands and like that kind of like when you hear fucking David Lee Roth was driving an ambulance. He went to school to be an EMT after Van Halen. You know, like you dig in, you hear these stories. You know, yeah. and I just think they're really really fascinating. You know, uh, I I got really lucky because I like absolutely love being a photographer and shit. So I, I got like super lucky, but still it is like somewhat of a transition. Like you said, like we had two tour buses, a semi truck, like yeah. uh, all this shit. It's a, it's just a different transition, you know, but I, I got really lucky in the fact that like, it's still my thing. I'm still self-employed. It's my, it's still art and I, I love it and everything, but still people's perceptions. Like it's, it's a real thing. Dude, you know? it, it is. They're like a bunch of things that this makes me think of. One is like the balance between 
humility, like you're saying, the humility and then the confidence, because it's not even confidence, not just the confidence to go up there and do it, but also like the confidence to pursue the damn thing and then be like honest with yourself. And then also like, in this case, this exact thing we're doing right now, be honest with the people who patronize you or enjoy your music or whatever. It's, it's such a strange way to make a living because ultimately when it comes down to it, we all are just, we have to make a living. And I think a lot of people don't see it that way because there's still this residual somehow from like the eighties thing that if you're known everywhere, you must be loaded Yeah. rather than like, Oh, you're known everywhere. So therefore your business seems like it may be sustainable. Yeah. (laughs) That should be the only assumption. Like it seems like you may be making enough money to not die. Cause like, I know a lot of other people who have semi trucks with their stuff in it and all that kind of shit. And they're called restaurant owners. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a bunch of stuff that costs a bunch of money. That doesn't mean that you get all of that money. It means that the thing that you're doing costs a bunch to run, to give people what they want, which is a fucking donut or a live show or a, a handmade backpack that, you know what I mean? Like, it's all just like what it takes to run a business, but because we put entertainers on pedestals still to this day, it's like, oh, that person's loaded. Oh, yeah. Like, when I first bought my house in Bridgeton, Missouri, <laughs> next to the airport, <laughs> this kid down the street, like, walked up to me one day after, like, we lived there for, like, a month, and he's like, so, like, you're in the story of the year, right? I was like, yeah. He goes, is this, like, your second house? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, dude, it's my only house. If I had enough money for a second house, it wouldn't be in Bridgeton. <laughs> like, it's just... And then, like, just with, like, what Ryan was saying with, like, you know, when we took that break, like, I got a, as normal as you can get job. I worked on cars at a Sears. And, like, walking through, like, the mall in the middle of the day to go get lunch. Josh is really good with his money, just to let you guys know. <laughs> well, there's that there's that aspect too. But like he went, he, he went broke the quickest. Yeah. Well like you walk through the mall and like it's just like these people like you get recognized sometimes and it's just like Fuck. Yeah. yeah. I'm in my fucking Sears mechanic outfit. But it's but you it's a superpower, bro, if you can if you can transcend that, you know? I mean Yeah, because the, the balance really of both is. is perfect. To me it it is what it is. I needed to make money for my family. I was getting ready to have a kid and it was like the band's not doing as much as we used to. So I have to have income. So like you, you transcend that to an extent, but at the same time for a long stretch of time, it was like, I'm sitting there eating lunch going, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. I'm not supposed to be doing this. This Mm -hmm. sucks. Like, yep. but, no, nothing's going to compare to 2,000 no, people screaming every yeah, word yeah, yeah. of your song to you, no matter what we ever do after that. Yeah. It's never going to be that level of anything. But, but, it's, but it's a hard, it, but it is a hard transition. Yeah. It's a really hard transition, yeah, especially yeah. if you go to like a regular job. Like, a, I mean, no disrespect to anybody that does anything like that, but it's just like when you go from that to that, yeah, it's a really hard transition. And there was a rough few months where it was just like, fuck. Because like I was the last person in the band that wanted to stop. I was bummed. I was the, I was more bummed than anybody. Yeah. I, I, I remember I didn't have another project to go do. We didn't, none of us wanted to stop probably much like you guys too. It's just the money was just not, didn't make sense financially for, for sure, anybody yeah. anymore. But it was, so it was but like, I well, still, we can't just tour all the time. Cause it's not, and you, and it's not you worth start it. getting those calls that are making it real. You know, you start getting the ones yeah. that are like, well, it, it, this is, this is what we've got. 
you know, this is what this it's going it. to be. This is the only option. And yeah. and you have to start making some really hard decisions. Yeah. Hey, I want to say something, though, to, to, just to reiterate, Josh, what you were saying. Not not that having a normal job isn't great or respectable or no, anything yeah. else, or, or not that it's any less than doing what we do, but it's like anything in life. If you feel compelled to do something, you have skill in something in particular, and you feel like that's your thing that you can offer the world uniquely sometimes, if you're not doing that and you're doing something else, you feel out of place. You feel like, yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing something else. There are people that the most fulfillment they get out of life is doing a job that is simply a job and building a family or they're part of their community in some way or they happen to just love that job that from the outside may just look like a job. It's all about where the fulfillment is. And if you're out of place, seeming like in the universe, you're just out of place, that's going to feel like something. Yeah, yeah. And also like, dude, we've talked about this a lot, but it's like a blessing and a curse. We are among the most blessed people to ever walk the earth because we know exactly what it's like to do exactly what you want to do, what you feel like you're born to do, what you would do for free and get paid really well for it Mm -hmm. and live your fucking teenage dreams, your childhood dreams. Mm -hmm. Everyone on this podcast right now knows what that's like. And anything less than that can kind of be fucking a bummer. can feel like a waste of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's because like, it's like we know, like most people kind of go through, I I heard someone talking about this before. Um, I can't remember. I I don't remember. Uh, I I don't know where to attribute it to, but Joe Rogan's podcast. (laughs) But it's like most people go like on a, on a Stoke level of like one to 10. Most people kind of hover between like a three and a six. Six is like a Friday night out at Applebee's with the wife, you know? Three is just kind of like, oh, my boss yelled at me today. We know what it's like to fucking consistently hit tens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what I was fucking born to do. I'm doing my fucking passion on earth. I'm fucking living it. I'm making this shit and it's affecting all these people. And then after that, I get to go to bars and party with my friends, you know, on airplanes and fucking pet koalas in Australia <laughs> and fucking do all this awesome shit. We're living at fucking 10, yep. you know? And for years on end too. For years yeah. on end, you know? And like, you know, and then when you wake up one day and you find yourself not in that situation. It doesn't, like Adam said, it doesn't matter what your occupation is. You were just living on fucking 10 for five years, 10 years, 15 years or whatever, you know? And and that's not to say that also, it's not to say that like living a rock star life is necessary for that equation to make sense. It's more like, it's just what you're passionate about. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Even like knowing what you're passionate about. Like a lot of people just, they don't know. So it's like, I'll just get a job. So finding it, knowing it, and then it coming true, like all in sequence, like it's supposed to be air quotes. Yeah. It's not even, it's not even like the band thing. It's just like, Hey, this thing that that you wake up and feel compelled to do that you're going to do, whether people pay you or not, actually you're going to make like fucking well into the six figures doing this thing. It'd be like if somebody said, Hey, I'm going to give you six figures to fucking masturbate, play video games (laughs) and fucking, uh, I don't know, eat pizza. Okay, yeah. which is that's what we what, all did. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what happened to us. <laughs> exactly what yeah. we did. A healthy prostate and six figures, baby. You're, <laughs> yeah, but you're dude, good. even like making just like straight middle class or lower middle class, a lower middle class living off of that is still like Stoke level upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, you're doing what you're passionate. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, dude, I, I love like, I don't know. Again, I get all like cerebral about all this shit, and like, uh, I, I got lots of feelings. Like, I feel everything really hard. But like, 
I know there's other people out me. So emo, bro. <laughs> other people out there besides me that love to hear you talk about this shit because it's like it's stuff that people don't want to talk well, about. You know? Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's it's. It's a weird. It's a tran. It's a transition because, like, when you're in it and you're doing it, it's fucking rad, ninety percent of the time. But everyone in this room and you at your home, you go, God, I kind of wish I was home right now. <laughs> yeah. it, it, while you're on level ten, yeah, yeah, you still go, man, I wish I was home. But then when you are at home, you go. Nah, that was way cooler. <laughs> which is why, which is why you start drinking more and more and yeah, yeah, adding yeah, drugs yeah, into yeah, the mix or yeah. whatever you need to whoa, whoa, forget whoa, forget man. about you, you know, know the Josh, fucking I, problems I, that you're having. You know, I think I actually that was something that made all of it, but both when it was really good and then when it was down and I, and I was home, you know, in between the first kind of breakup and then right following the the end of the band. It actually made it really hard for me because I'd never had that. I was the absolute opposite. I was I was completely the opposite. I never wanted to be off of an airplane, off of tour, out of a hotel. I being home was just made me stir crazy no matter what. So it it was it, it fueled a kind of a wild lifestyle because I even, you know, back in the day, I don't, I wouldn't really go home. I would kind of in between tours, I would still find something crazy to go do, which was both financially, um, reckless and also often quite reckless with my, my personal health and things, you know, as mm -hmm. Dan was just saying. So like I struggled with not wanting to be off the road at all ever. And, and I really, I mean, dude, this year, you know, I've maintained a really high level of travel post yellow card and post 2017 that I'm, I'm really proud of because I love traveling the world so much, but it's expensive. And so figuring out how to do it in a way that makes sense and it is responsible, you know, I've, I've done that. And whether it's touring or finding ways to go produce records overseas or just the different opp opportunities and avenues I've found to be able to travel still, it's, it's been really killer, but you know, I've had a lot more home time since yellow card ended. And it, 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 I'm still to this day, sort of like doing work, you know, doing the work mentally to get to a place where I'm comfortable being home and understand like, this is just the way your life is going to be now. And you can't, you can't wallow in it. And that said, I was going to say that so much of what we're talking about are like specific thoughts of like, that I was on a 10 or I was in Australia or there were 2000 people there or fuck man, we played a show in Brazil with fallout boy once co-headlining for 50,000 people. Like, you know, there was just those times, those things, they're so specific. And I've really, um, this year through meditation, which I do every day, have learned a lot about how, when those thoughts start to come at me, because they do, they still do all the time. Um, I've really learned how to let them sort of approach and exist and move on um, through practicing meditation. And that that's been a big fucking game changer for me because I, I just, I'm so much quicker to let stuff pass and go than I am to get stuck in a, in a moment of feeling sorry for myself because in, in 2004, I was living out of 10 every day, you know, yeah, and, yep. and I've yeah. struggled with that for a decade, but it's like, I think I'm really making progress and in, in, in being able to go like, let that happen. You're thinking it and it happened and you're upset about it, but it's, it's gonna, it's gonna pass just like every other thought you have. Don't, yeah. don't hang up on it. And so, um, that's been a big part of my quarantine growth for sure. Yeah. I, that I, to this day still struggle with that just because it's, I'm okay for a long time when we're not like super active, but then when we start doing a bunch of stuff, like all in a row, I'm like, 
oh, this is what I want to do all of the time. Mm. Yeah. And then like, I'll go like, say we do something over a weekend and then I go back to like my normal job and I'm at work then like Monday and I'm like, okay, well I'm here. It, it has the opposite effect of what a vacation usually has for people. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got a yeah. little break, and you yeah. know, I'm, I'm okay to yeah. work now. No, it's the total opposite for me. It's like I wake up Monday morning or whatever day I'm supposed to go to work the next day, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I would so much rather yeah, be yeah. doing what I was just doing all the time. Two things. One, Reinke, off camera, I will talk to you about meditation hardcore. That's yeah. a daily thing for me, hey, too. You, I'm all about You, Ryan, and Ryan... <laughs> All, all the Ryans and my wife can get on a call and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. all the shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the second second thing, um, pressure points. What's cool though is like I think I feel like this like transitionary period in all of our lives and just kind of like you know the way things have panned out. Like the cool thing for me, like even like witnessing in my bandmates is like I think we all have this like hyper reignited sense of purpose to like resurrect the band in a way that we haven't through like the last couple albums. You know, I really feel like everyone, maybe since the first time, since maybe the Black Swan record is like, fuck yeah, story of the year is going to be a priority. We're going to like, we're going to make a dent in the universe, new management, like we're doing this podcast, um, a bunch of cool shit behind the scenes, like new record, like a bunch I of shit. I bought a pair of shoes, you know. There's a <laughs> bunch of shit that we're working on it. And like, this is like the most active we've been in a lot of years. And I think it kind of takes all of us like having to do side hustles and jobs and shit to realize like, fuck, okay. Um. Yeah, we can't give up on this. This is like what we're meant to do. There's a reason we're sitting in this room right fucking now. It is quite literally our life's work. We're sitting in a room right now, like when, like, dude, we're all fucking. We're, we've been doing this for twenty years. It's like there's a reason we're not all just like, all right, time to go sell life insurance. We're done. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, like, it, but so, but I, I, I can sense that in all you guys that it's like. I think everyone has a, a a renewed sense of spirit about story. Like it's time, it's fucking go time again. Well, yeah, because it's it's awesome because not only because of like we like what we do, but like you see fans and like people that like even though you know we're well into our career now, where it still affects people to this day. Like you know, you see like yeah. you know people post things. They're like thirty five, thirty six. They're like us. They have families and 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 are what we've done and put out into the world like still affects people in a way, a positive way that it, it makes you want to keep doing it and keep putting new things out. And, and, and even if you're playing old stuff where it's just like, they want to see it. Yep. And it's it, not just a self-serving yeah, endeavor. It's not just, I want to do it. It's like people want it and it, it's rad. It gives you a, like a, a, a bigger boost, even as long as we've been in it, you know? Hey, uh, when we go back to Japan, you want to just come to Japan and play songs there, too? What, you and your guitar or whatever the fuck. I was just you gonna do. say, I, I ha the, these right here, are ju they're just gonna, get, they're getting so dusty. You can play I, your I just, songs and you can so, play guitar with us and sing and stuff. Let's go. When is, when is this? Have you not? You haven't announced it yet, obviously, because no, no, we can't no, even, we can't even fly to Japan. We gotta talk to Yoshi first. You can't talk even about walk Heartbreaker there. this year, man. That's my big. <laughs> that's the oh, yeah, God. Nobody can make any plans. Nobody can do anything yet. So. I was going to say our our podcast is our, our way of um, looking back at all the cool shit we've done, but making it positive, you know, like just being like grateful that we have all this cool shit in the past, not really being like mad that we can't do it anymore. It's just fun to look back sometimes and just be like, fuck, yeah, that was awesome. And, you know, I'm just happy that we got to experience that, which is why it's fun to talk to you, because we've all lived a similar life and 
uh, that maybe one, not even 1% of humans, you know, experience the shit that all of us and you have experienced. So, uh, it's good to hear these stories from you and us about how real life works with band guys, you know? And it's therapeutic. For sure. I mean, I think it's awesome that you guys are, you know, feeling inspired and, and, and rearing up to do some stuff. I mean, dude, that you wouldn't be the first band that pulled it off. You know what I mean? It, it's doable to get back to a place where where it can be full time for you if that's what you want. I mean, just you just you know if you build it, so <laughs> yep. just got to go for it. We'll keep doing it no matter what, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we can have some success forever. You know, hey, but like some level. Three years from now, we do that Avenue tour, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> we'll call yeah. it Dim Avenue Boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually I'm our already new, making shirts. It's a, it's our new rap group. So actually, we're not going to play any of our old songs. Yeah, it's just Dim it's Avenue not, Boys. It's not, it's not Yellow Card and Story of the Year. It's you guys and me rapping <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over over uh, inspired beats that are inspired by the songs, but not yeah, necessarily yeah. the songs. Right. But we'll use Yellow Card and Story of the Year's name to like sell tickets. Yes, right. they'll get there. Yeah, and they'll just yeah, yeah. Be we did us. It. We just yeah. announced it. Psych. And we yeah. could all be on stage, all with mics. <laughs> All yelling, yelling at each other. Just like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There hasn't been a five piece rap group uh, in so long, and we feel like it's time. Yeah. I bet we get Wu Tang to open for us. They got like 12 people. They got like 29 <laughs> people. Everybody's yeah. like, don't, 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 don't talk about Wu Tang. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. No, protect your neck. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, Ryan, you're awesome, man. I love you guys, man. Thanks for being we on our you. pod. Yeah, I'm going to go. My, my mom's making something tasty for dinner, so I'm going to yeah. hop in the car Mom, the meatloaf! head over. <laughs> you never know what she's doing back there. <laughs> um, I hope you much, I wish you much success. I hope you, I hope you good. I hope you good stuff. I wish you much success in your, in your rock and roll uh, solo endeavors and everything else you do. Thanks, dude. I hope that we get to hang out and ice each other in bars in Australia again sometime. Sometime before we're dead. Yeah, before yeah. death. I foresee some uh, some of that happening in our future. Where there yeah. there'll be a the nice thing about my lifestyle now, being forty with uh, not not married, no kids, and self employed, is if you guys were going to Australia and I was like, you know what, <laughs> I think I might just that, do that's it. something I could do. So I for, I see that being something that we could have some fun with later on. You do with all, what all our friends do. We go <laughs> we go overseas and we go. <laughs> Hey man, you want to come? Yeah, yeah. You buy yeah. your plane ticket. We'll list you as crew. Yes. Yeah, we we just been bringing friends. Yeah, that's all we do. Yeah. We bring friends and they. Dude, they you, do stuff know yeah. you know I'm down. You know I'm down. You can kind of tech yeah, yeah. for us every yeah, once yeah. in a while. No, we'll yeah, make you sure. come play guitar and stuff. And I'm gonna what make I, a bold prediction. Ready? Huh? I predict this time next year, this is everyone's full time job. I love every, that. Everyone on the planet. Positive Ooh. affirmation, Ooh. bro. Positive affirmation. It. Yeah, I predict it. Ryan Amen. likes to will it into existence. Yeah. He put it on his vision board. Yeah. All right, boys. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I'm going to go get Sweet. some grub. I love you guys. Love and you, uh, Same. thanks for having me. All right, dude. May the force be with you. All right. Later, guys. Bye-bye. What a so good dude. Long. Oh, he hung up. Hey, what he a, dude, that was, that was rad. You know what? Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Should we just wrap it up and not even yeah, do let's, questions? Let's wrap it up okay. yeah. on the record. What a good dude. Great dude. Yeah. God, that makes me miss touring. Uh, it does, doesn't it? That Australian tour we did with God, them was, was like, great. that's when everything really came together. And, and I was like, these dudes are fucking sweet. We had a great time on that tour. Yeah. Yep. Yellow Card and Story of the Year have had a lot of similar similarities in our careers, and they're awesome dudes. Yeah. Dan, last thing I'm going to say. Um, just Dan, though? Should we just leave? Just me. No, you guys d- got to shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. No, your, <laughs> point, your, your point about looking back at stuff and not being 
bummed about it. Instead, just like proud, proud, and like it's just fun to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's because, you know, um, no disrespect towards Ryan Key, obviously, but like <clears throat> yellow cards over. Yeah, we have that like some awesome shit in the works, like some truly awesome shit in the works and stuff. Like I, I say this a lot because I'm like an overstoker, but. I'm definitely more energized and excited about story story there than I have been in so many years. Like you guys know the situation I walked away from to kind of try to do this full time again. And um, I don't know that's to me what makes like all these stories and all this, like revisiting these albums and all that shit. Like it's nothing but fun for me because I know what's ahead. You know, it's not just an uncle Rico session. Yeah. I can't yeah. fucking, I love talk, dude. I love talking about, these old records and all this shit. And I think I love our podcast, but I'm really, really itching to start talking about like when we're actually recording, like talking about the new, new and when we're on tours and talking about, you know, I love looking back, but I can't wait till we can like publicly talk about what's in the windshield, not the rear view mirror, you know? Speaking of awesome shit, when you're hearing this as of tonight, live stream in the wake. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Oh, good call, Scoobs. That's right, Friday. First of three. Today is Wednesday, so two days from now. So yeah, you're listening to it right now. It's happening this evening. Yeah. Let's fucking come hang out with us. We're going to be playing music that night. Put on your neon green. <laughs> hang out in your living room. Dude, we've we've actually been rehearsing like we've been on tour. We're All gonna, the time. We're going to be good. It's like the most we've, we've rehearsed for anything. We're going to be well good. Well prepared. We're going to be solid. Fuck yeah. Um, We were going to do some other stuff at the end of this, but that went a little longer than I think we all expected because Ryan's awesome and we have a lot of stuff to share with him. So I think we're going to wrap her up today. Let's do it. We're going to wrap her up. Wrap it up or else you'll, you know. Hey, leave diseases. us. Hey, give us a thumbs up, bro. Yeah, give us a thumb thumbs up. Rate this. Uh, leave us a little review. I know at least one or two of you guys probably read that shit, right? <laughs> That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah uh, sh share the podcast Yeah, on social media, whatever you want. Let people know about it because... I burn it to a CD. <laughs> Make a tape. Yeah, we're, we're really having an awesome time doing this, so we, I would like to keep doing this. So, Same. Um, let's keep it going, and, and all you Patreon people, fuck yeah. That's awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, if you want to support us, Patreon's the place to do it. Not just this podcast, but everything else we do. There, there's lots of stuff involved in those Patreon tiers that applies to, for example, this live stream tonight. If you want pre-show access, if you want to see the pre-show kind of warm-up session, chat with us directly, all of that is part of the Patreon tiers. So go there, check it out. A few bucks a month gets you all this other stuff. Tight. Yep. Huge thanks to William Ryan Key for being our first official guest. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. We're going to have a bunch more friends from our touring career and just whatever. You'll you'll just have to wait and see who's going to be here next. Until then, my name's Adam. Until the day I die. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. Ooh, I'm Dan. And as always, suck one.